And before we get started, I do talk a little bit about Hallmark Christmas movies. So in anticipation of that, I would like uh, Parker and Shiloh, would you both stand up? Where are you at? Yeah, we're going to embarrass you. These two just got engaged, so let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> Happy to embarrass you. So as always, hand them a $20 bill on your way out the door. But Merry Christmas, everyone. Man. And I didn't, really, I, kinda, I didn't really set you up for a good call and response there, so we'll try again. Merry Christmas. Merry. Beautiful. Merry Christmas. All right. Christmas is full of anticipation. It's almost magical what occurs if you really uh, put into the season. If you really go all out, it's almost magical what can occur. And it's a season that is impossible to ignore, even if you wanted to, because the entire town, if you've been down on the circle in Shelbyville, the entire downtown is decorated. There's lights hung everywhere. They've got the Christmas Santa village going on there, too. And even at work, our busy schedules are kind of slowed down just a little bit in a culture that's all about the almighty dollar. We slow down just a little bit so that we can take some time uh, to prepare and celebrate this holiday. In our homes, it's, it's amazing what happens inside our homes as we end up transforming them into something completely different. We take all those hard sought after and bought decorations down that Joanna Gaines would definitely approve of, and we replace them and transform our living rooms with, into almost gaudy museums of borderline hideous Christmas decorations that only nostalgia could possibly find appealing, but we absolutely love it. <laughs> it's America. And we watch numerous Hallmark Christmas movies. Where's my Hallmark people at? Where you at? Yep, man. Some of y'all are lying. Saw a few hands. Hallmark Christmas movies. We watch the same ones over and over, and they've got the exact same plot. And we watch it with tears in our eyes as the independent female executive. She, what, she loses the meaning of Christmas every year. And, but lo... Her life is transformed when she finds herself stranded in a small town and a father figure who strangely reminds us of Santa Claus for some reason gives words of wisdom and introduces her to the local barista guy who then kisses her at midnight on Christmas Eve. And somehow we believe that they can live happily ever after with Christmas cheer and on a barista salary. I don't know what it is, but we love it. And we buy and wrap presents, and we see the anticipation grow in our children as they anxiously await all the treasures that will be there on Christmas morning, and all the wonder and, and uh, imaginations that are just running wild, and the excitement that unfolds. And then Christmas morning comes, and we get to fill our, ourselves to our heart's desire with all the things we've been planning and preparing for over the past couple of months, culminating on this one magical Christmas day or Christmas morning. But then later that evening, or maybe the next day, as everything starts to wind down and it grinds to a halt, and we begin to think back on that entire Christmas season we were just in, we begin to feel something we may have not felt since maybe the beginning of the season, and that's disappointment. Like there was some really great things that took place over Christmas and all, that wonderful, all the wonderful events that happened, but after it's all said and done... We can't really help but to feel like it just didn't really meet all the anticipation that we built up for it. And don't worry, if you don't get there on your own, I guarantee there's somebody in your family that will help you realize 
realize this. We all have that one family member that complained about the food or was very vocal that this Christmas just wasn't as good as the old Christmases or how they were before. Or your previously joyful and humble and thankful children on Christmas Eve have now suddenly become selfish little victims who didn't get exactly what they wanted come Christmas morning. And the list of disappointments can go on and on and on. All that anticipation that we put into it can be gone so quickly. And it's like coming down from a high that we know we, we will not get built up again till a whole other year. And even though we know on the other side of that, we're still going to be disappointed. And for some of us, there was no anticipation this year. There were no decorations or build up or even attempt to trick ourselves into thinking that things could be as magical as some may believe. Not because they are some sort of Scrooge or a Grinch or anything like that, but because they've lost loved ones recently and are stuck in the memories that only bring pain this time of year. Or they have no one to celebrate anything with as their family is now divided because of divorce or separation and will likely find themselves alone at some point on Christmas. Or because of distance or deployments with the military, separation becomes that new normal throughout the year and they can't seem to find the joy with their loved ones away. So disappointment has a way of of overshadowing the entire season for some people. But whatever the cause is, it seems that Christmas never seems to live up to the buildup that we put into it. And I think that's true of our entire world. No matter what we strive for or how we build things up in our minds, reality will always fall short and leave us disappointed. Even when our wildest American dreams come true, at the end of the day, we're still left disappointed. And when we look at Scripture, we see that this is the exact place John the Baptist finds himself in. You see, John had a mission. He was, he was sure of his entire life. And he spent that life preparing the way for Christ Jesus by building excitement among the people and building up anticipation so that they would be ready to receive the Messiah and not miss him. But even John would find himself in a dark place with disappointment setting in. Stuck in a prison and awaiting his execution, he began to lose hope. And he questioned if the Messiah had even really come, if Jesus was who he said he was. Because all he was feeling at that moment was disappointment. And it's interesting, the way this world that we live in has a way of beating down our joy, our anticipation, and leaving us at times with nothing but disappointment. But I think disappointment in this Genesis 3 world is okay. Because the reason we are all going to be disappointed is that all of this is a shadow of a greater reality. What's going on right now is meant to point us to an anticipation for the day that being disappointed is impossible. It's absolutely impossible. And God is gracious enough not to allow us to find our satisfaction in this world so that way we can constantly seek after something greater than what we are experiencing right now in this world. And on this night 2,000 years ago, something changed. Something different happened. And there was a permanent answer that was given for our perpetual anticipation. And while we were stuck in our sin, while we were stuck in our disappointment, God left his throne in heaven. He rolled up his sleeves and he came to earth. And in the most unanticipated way possible. He was born to a simple family from a simple town Amongst simple animals in a simple stable, 
But he fulfilled in that, in that one act, he fulfilled numerous pages of complicated prophecy in a way that only God could make look so simple. And for the first time in this Genesis 3 world, God dwelled among man. Emmanuel, God with us. He was fully God, yet he was fully human. And that's a mystery that it was so necessary that only God could have come up with such a perfect plan for our salvation. And his purpose was, not one, it was one of grace, not one of condemnation. He didn't come to condemn us, but he came to extend grace to us. God could have sent him to wipe, out, wipe us out in our sin, destroy us in our rebellion, and put an end to all our selfish disappointment. But instead, he sent Christ to serve man. He sent him to provide a way for us to be united with God in spite of all our failures. And he sent him to, the, to be the ultimate climax of all our unquenchable worldly anticipation. And we know this is truth as Christians. And we know that God has already won our eternity for us. It's already been done. And because of that, nothing in this world can steal our joy for the life to come. But for some reason, still, disappointment finds its way into our world. And that's where we find John. He knows Christ is the Messiah. He knows he's come to redeem the world. But at this moment, in his cell awaiting his execution, he can only find disappointment and doubt. So John sends word to Jesus. He is so tired from all the doubt and disappointment in this world, and he's sitting in a cell. He finally breaks down from this inner struggle that he's having, and he asks a question. He knows he should already know the answer to, but he asks it anyway to Jesus. He says, Jesus are you really the Messiah? Are you really the one who is to come for us? And our Emmanuel was gracious enough to respond to John. And he doesn't give a simple yes or no, much like Jesus always does throughout Scripture, but answers so beautifully with this. He says, The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the lepers are healed, the dead rise again, and salvation has been brought to the least of these. And these words, they were fulfillment of prophecy and would have been known to John that in his cell, this would not be the end. That the anticipation that he had for an everlasting life with the inexhaustible well of God was actually a reality. And it's fascinating to see those words that Jesus told. And don't forget either, Jesus was an alien, a stranger living in a foreign land who was rejected by the very world that he came to save, rejected by us. And he would go on from that simple manger to a violent cross where he would take upon him the sins of the world and redeem us instead of condemn us. And John too was an alien as he was executed for telling people about who this Emmanuel was and how much he loved them and what he was going to do for them. And so are you. As born-again believers in Jesus Christ, we are aliens, unable to satisfy our anticipation for God's inexhaustible well and rejected by this world full of disappointment. But we have a joy so deep that in spite of all this world, we know that Emmanuel came for us, and even more so, he will come for us again. And that is, as the scriptures and hymns tell us, the great joy, not just normal joy, that word's only used a few times in scripture, the great joy we are reminded of every Christmas, and what we celebrate tonight. So here we are, Christmas Eve, 
The anticipation is built up. But Christmas will come and go, just like it always has. And we will be let down in some way, most likely. But let our disappointment be a reminder that it will not be until the second advent, the coming of the Messiah again, that we will fully realize the desire of our hearts that we are so longing for. When the lame walk, when the dead rise, when we are reunited with those we've lost, when our families are repaired, and we spend an eternity with a loving God, the same God who sent his son to be born in a simple manger, to live an extraordinary life, and to die an absolutely perfect death, who rose again and conquered death for every single one of us here. Only he can fulfill the anticipation of our hearts. And that's Jesus Christ, the great Redeemer and Rescuer, and he will be our Emmanuel once more. Come again, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we are so thankful that we can come this Christmas Eve and celebrate even our disappointments because we know they point to something much greater and that we have a longing for something much, much more important. And during this Christmas season, we just ask we focus on you and the real reason. And we're so thankful for the gift of your son who came and was born into that simple manger and fulfilled all prophecy in the Old Testament. And he lived that perfect life for us. And then he died that perfect death on the cross. And he didn't stay dead and buried, but he rose again on that third day. And because of that, we can have life eternal with you. And that's why we celebrate. As we come to this Advent season, we look forward to Easter and then onward to the second coming, the second Advent. And we're so thankful for that gift. And we're thankful for your love for us. And during this holiday season, God, wherever we find ourselves, let us think back on this message. Think back on these words and what you've done for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.